Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal only on LA Talk Radio. That's right. It's Raising the Vibration right here on LA Talk Radio every Monday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, we are talking about how to put more peace, love, kindness, and unity into the nation and into the world. Uh, Raising the Vibration Radio is an offshoot of a peace, love, kindness, and unity movement that I started on November 9th called I Am Raising the Vibration of the Nation and the World. And uh, so far, this weekly show has sort of been filled with people that I love, that have messages that I love, and that I believe ha- are working every day to ask what can I do to make the world a better place and are always looking to find ways to raise their vibration. And my guest at this show is certainly no exception to that. She is a, a wonderfully talented uh, artist and humanist, and uh, I can't wait to hear uh, how she's raising the vibration every day, although she's been a guest on my daily show many times. Please welcome the wonderful Ray Dawn Chong to the show. Welcome, my friend. How are you? I am here, and it's Monday, which is the lunar day, speaking of of days. And my Mondays, I usually spend... I don't try to accomplish a lot on Monday. Okay. I try to sort of um, shore up for the week, and I also take stock of the weekend and it's one of these days where I recharge. It's a lunar day. I love that. So it's my it's what I call my inside day. Oh, that's beautiful. So it was perfect today to come and do um, a show about raising the vibration. I love that you're outside with me on your inside day. I know. That's right? great. You know, I don't, um, I don't like to do anything Monday until I come here to do my daily show. I don't mind uh, doing stuff at home on the computer, but I, I like that. Uh, sometimes even on the weekends when I'm not here, I'm at events and I'm doing different things. And I, I love that block on Monday mm-hmm. to just sort of get ready for the week. It's a lunar day. It's, it's the lunar day. And, and usually on a lunar moon, a moony day, you should probably not speak too much. Um, and it's a good time to go inside. And, you know, our culture doesn't necessarily support that in terms of just the distraction that we have now with this massive download. So it's really important, to, I think, to carve out that time of not speaking or going inside. Um, otherwise, I think you get spent. And, and do you do that when you're home? Do you? Because I do that. Sometimes I have to say, I, I don't speak I'm when in, I'm home. I am in, right now, um, a really deep interior space to the point where I find it fascinating that I'm carving this out in a city I do notice um, it's l- a lot easier to become interior when I live in the in the country than it is to do it in the city. Am I too far away? Thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? When yeah. I lived in New Hampshire, it was really easy to do this. Now, were you rural in New Hampshire in a we rural were, place? Yeah, we had 60 acres, and we were just an hour and 15 minutes outside of Boston. Okay. So you're quite rural. I mean, it's all farmhouses around where, where we were. And uh, I love it. I love it. I can live in the boonies. I'm one of those people. I'm very happy with myself. Yeah, I, I am too, but I, I don't want to live in the boonies. But, no. but because I'm an only child, I think I... I'm used to being okay in that insular space. Mm-hmm. So I can literally stay in the house for a week or so and work and hang out and get caught up on artistic things I want to watch on TV or read books or 
dabble around on the internet and write things and really be okay to not leave the house oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. for long periods of time. And okay. because it's just me and the cat, sometimes when we're home, because my whole life is blah, 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 and talking, mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't feel the need to talk. Okay, so we're here to raise the vibration, right? and I want to immediately go to, I posted something recently um, about a week ago regarding um, the guy in the, in, White, in the White House. Okay, that and, guy. And uh, one of the people that was hang, loitering on my thread, mm-hmm. on my page, mm-hmm. um, s- really attacked me about being negative about him. Okay. And she recommended that I go to a church um, called Agape. Okay. And hang out and, you know. Had you never been? I have been. Okay. I call it the God Show. Okay. And she said, you know, right on, you really got to listen to um, Michael Beckwith. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, incredible. He saved my life. And, and I said to her, without even realizing it, but I said to her, you know, I love the God Show. I think Michael <laughs> Beckwith is an incredible entertainer. And I think he's a great personality, but it's a cult. And I, and I personally prefer my spirituality to be more in line maybe with Islam in that I prefer not to have an idol. I love Byron Katie. I think I admire people who do have a good God show and not to knock it, but it's just something that I don't um, sign on to. I like to read Titnat Han. I like to read, um, I'll, I've read the Quran. I've read the Bible. I, I like Mary Baker Eddy. You know, I actually find it really important for me as a spiritual person to have less of a idol and more of a more import. Isn't that funny? Uh, I, I like to call it spiritual salad bar. Yeah. I like to sort of put on my plate what resonates with me. I mean, not to say, and by the way, I think it's important if you do have a good teacher. Uh, it's great. To learn from the teacher. Or you want the church experience, which many people do. And, or you it's want wonderful. the personality experience. Yeah. And, and I like church. I've been to Agape. Uh, I've been to Unitarian. I've been to MCC. I mean, I've been to What's all the MCC? Pre- MCC is sort of a like a it's a church where a lot of gay folks that got kicked out of their own churches. Why is it called MCC? I, I you know I don't I don't know. Can we should we Google it? Oh, I well, can Google it. Um, and so it's computer. it's a lot of like the choir's fabulous, <laughs> and it's a lot. It's sort of like a, a free to be you and me church. So whatever your MCC thing is, I'm gonna look it up it. for you. That's so interesting. Um, you know, I mean, I've we been should to, let the people who are listening, if they're if they're interested, that they can find it. And, and oh sure, they're everywhere, all over the country. There's one in North Hollywood right here. Uh, Metropolitan Community Church is what it stands I for. See. The Inclusive Church, it's called. And you know what's interesting too? I love the new last year's purpose, which is the Justin Bieber record and it is just chock-a-block with a lot of his I think he's he was um saved because he had had a little bit of um you know he kept bumping into the law little Justin Bieber and I think that he had a come to Jesus moment and kind of sorted himself out and started talking to God and he ended up writing this record purpose and if you look at a lot of the songs it's his it's his uh, dialogue with with God and I or Jesus. I really liked it. I, I really loved his record, regardless of the fact that it was, you know, pretty Christian, which is fine. But um, I liked it because it was so real. I yeah. felt like you could feel his angst, and his writing was right up there, and his beats were great. Look, I don't have a problem with Christians. <laughs> well, some of them I have problems with. So I I'm just, just going to be honest. If your Christianity comes from a place of where Christ came from. I'm all good with it because I love consciousness or Christ the person. Uh, Christ the teachings of Christ. Yes, Christ the person. The, con- the person. Okay. Yeah, the Christ the person. 
Uh, See, I have problems not, with the Christ the person. I do, I do okay with the consciousness. Not what people have done in the name of Christ the person. You mean these people like in the middle, in the flyover states, who say stuff like, if you're a Muslim, you're not a Christian? Those kind of things? Yeah, people, right, that that's all, all, there's only one way to heaven, and it's only yeah. through being Presbyterian or, or, or So basically Methodist I call or, that mental illness. They don't even believe Catholics behind, are Christian enough to go it's, to... It's mental illness hiding behind dogma. Um, to me, it's uh, it's safety hiding behind fear. Human beings are f- a very fearful species, oftentimes, and everybody looks for a refuge from their fear. And going to a church where they give you all the rules and they tell you exactly what you can do and what you can't do and everything you need to do to be saved. Tax exempt even, which I think is right. so heinous. And they don't have to pay taxes, which is fantastic for them. Not so great for you. Although I think you can write off what you put in the collection Not plate. if it's like to take people who are gay and try to change them. No. I mean, when no, no, no. But, or, but, or, or suppress freedoms and choice i agree i I absolutely agree that to me is is but there are people who need that they need they need that uh they need because they're so fearful of so many things they need to find a place to hide from their fears and they don't want to think outside the box because that makes them fearful um well I i find it fascinating because i find it vibration let's talk about vibration yeah if you were to grab the saints of all the religions, Sufi, okay. Catholicism, Judaism, sure. um, Islam, mm-hmm. um, and put all, the, all heroes. The, the, I mean, the true, the true God-realized saints, right. there would be a room of just stupendous vibrational Oh my God, height, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. On, conversely, you get their ministers and their temple protectors and their treasurers in a room and you'd have you have world war three so it's i find that fascinating that the people that think inside the box tend to be a little bit more violent than the people who are actually of the box i and i agree with that and so when we talk about raising vibration it's less to to say attached to a dogma attached to an uh, attached to an orthodoxy attached attached to a fun, a fundamental thought whereas it's to raise our vibration which is which is really if you think about it a liberation i agree and and and, and something that can be done no matter what your socio-political or background or or like right uh, now in the car leaning. you can sit you can stop or right. in traffic or wherever you are right the second if you're is this live by the way uh-huh so if you are wherever you are, you can just decide in this moment, don't worry about the future. Don't think about the future. Sure. Just in that in this nowness, just think about something super delicious. Mm-hmm. And and that's raising the vibration. And it doesn't matter what church you attend or what labels you use for yourself or what communities you belong to. It's something that we all can do. Something we can all come together and do. And still then go and be Catholics and Jews and Muslims and everything else we want to be afterwards. That's, that's the thing that I, I work very hard to keep it um, for everybody, to keep it nonpartisan. It's difficult, but I try. And to keep it without any particular spiritual affiliation, including leaning it too far into the New Age. Although, I will say one thing. Right, exactly. Well, that you're trying to include. So the idea of keeping our vibrations. So let's just like go, let's just go even deeper with this. Okay. So one of the things I notice um, personally is um, there is an extraordinary amount of creative energy with being right versus being happy. 
You're right. Yes. So instead of being joyous and bubbly and blissful, some of us will make the commitment to just being correct. Right. What, what we think is right. Absolutely. At the expense of the joyous, blissful, and juicy. Which right? I do not understand. But we do this. Okay? We, yes, we do. So thinking about Washington and thinking about our political scene at the moment, because I know very intelligent people who who are afraid of, quote unquote, the deficit, who are worried about the border, who are and these yeah. are these are these are college educated people. Yeah. And they are worried about um, well, the, main the thing other is, coming and taking everything away and the deficit, this thing. OK, yeah. but if you really historically look through the facts, the facts are historically it's always been the conservative right wingers who have jacked up our budgets and our deficit and it's been a never worked when you excluded any group because it's basically genocide even if it's just social genocide that has never kept anyone safer it has never made a particular race or group better if anything, it has destroyed everything right. so isn't that fascinating that the what we think are solutions? are oftentimes the very thing that will bring her undoing. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, look at how, uh, I mean, just to get a little political for a second, look at how so much fear now surrounds those that live in the Middle East and that part of the world. Which, by the way, if you've ever been there, it's the seat, it is the cradle of all that we're talking about. It's the cradle of all that we're talking about. Uh, you know, we don't want, they're going to come here. We don't want them to come here. They're going to come and, and turn our whole world into Sharia law. I hear that. I mean, I hear that from women, and I think. Do you know that most people don't even know what Sharia I, means? I agree. But okay, so let's, what is Sharia law? Let's think about it. Let's break it down. Uh, you know what? I only know that Sharia law has is some kind of the law of it's a proclamation of of of, of is of radical Islam. That's all it's I know. It's a proclamation and it's a strictness. It's an orthodoxy. It's a fundamental. Absolutely. It's like fundamental. It's Christians. evangelical Muslims. <laughs> there is no difference yeah. if you really think I, about it. I agree. Women, uh, a fetus, all the stuff that they're freaking out about yeah. with the fetuses and the women's choice and all the the vaginal obsession. It's this. It's a type of Sharia law against the uterus I, I and i and i believe that however um you know we during a conservative administration t- twice decided to go there and stick our nose in where it kind of didn't belong and have a very expensive war that added to our deficit twice so once in saudi arabia and the one in afghanistan and iraq so if we really just want nothing to do with that part of the world and we fear the conflict then wouldn't the best thing to be to stay away from sticking our nose into that part? I mean, like, look, for instance, I am allergic to bees. So therefore, when I see a lot of bees around my rose bush, I don't go stick my face in the rose bush and disturb the bees. You know, I mean, I think that that it's it's always there's a level of hypocrisy that comes with everything. And I think that in politics, it's very much about being right and not being happy. And that's sort of the nature of politics, which is why I think a lot of politicians probably aren't very happy people, because um, just like a lot of people in the entertainment business are not happy because they become obsessed with success and they forget the art. But but no, I know what people but a lot of times what, what, that kind of unhappiness comes from also doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you can't, like it's people who win the lottery, often it ruins their lives because they think people who have thought money is the fix find out that in fact 
Oh, no. Money's not the fix. But how would you know unless you have it, right? Well, that's true. Well, I but I've had more of it and less of it at times in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I was raised by a woman who grew up desperately poor during the Depression. I mean, just finding enough food to eat poor. And then after spending many years in an orphanage, was adopted by very wealthy people who sent her off to boarding school. So I sort of saw from her childhood the extremes and the unhappiness that comes with both. And that you have to find your happiness irregardless of whether or not. Is it nice to be able to go to a nice school and have food to eat? It's fantastic, but it doesn't make people happy. Whereas like in India where people are really living on 50 cents a month, um, some people, um, but they're all together. So if someone goes on a train from the really the tough, if someone goes away, they all go together to say goodbye. There's a lot of kissing and a lot of right. a lot of affection. Yeah. So it's like if even though they may be physically and stuff wise poor, they're rich in connection and you see what I'm saying. I absolutely. So see what you're I saying. often think there is an extraordinary um, misconception with consumption that it's going to to fill the gap. I agree. And there's, you know, I mean, look at these these giant houses. Sometimes, I mean, it would behoove people to drive around and look in the windows of some of these big houses. Well, you probably would get arrested. But if you look <laughs> in those windows, you'll see one person or one butler or none of the, you know, the house isn't lit up because two little old people live there. I mean, it's so much space for just not a lot of life. Yeah. And on the other hand, you can find really happy families with lots of people living in a smaller space, but there's a lot of laughter. Um, so it's interesting, isn't it? Well, and I think it's the same thing with spirituality, which we were talking about earlier. Sometimes you find uh, a lot of um, people who claim to be very religious, very spiritual, and it's supposed to be bringing joy and happiness into their life, but they don't seem joyful or happy. And a lot of times, uh, right now we're in this new era called the alt-facts, <laughs> yeah. meaning that right. we're not getting Alternative the facts. facts. Yeah. And I find right now, I was just looking up Sharia law, and it's actually a really convoluted, very large definition. And basically, it's just uh, a, an organization of rules within the um, within the Quran. So it's not even like a quote-unquote negative thing, the way they say it in, in the U.S., the, like it's Sharia law. Well, actually, it is, it is an organization. It's like a declaration. Within the, um, sure. the within the Islamic religion, so we again are misusing something because it's so broad with which you can put something within. Uh, you know, well, it's it's like it's how statement. people use Leviticus, right? Okay, to to suddenly be like like that's our Sharia law. Right. So no shellfish, no polyester. Don't lie down with another guy. Don't eat the pork. Is that what, I mean, they, is that what it yeah, says? Yeah, that's all Leviticus? that stuff's in, in Leviticus. But I it's didn't but know it's all that. a lot of it. They like, had polyester back there. No, that says it says like multi-thread clothing. I always make I always laugh about polyester because that's a, that's a, a clothing that has multi wow. different things in it. Yeah, but it's but probably if you look at Leviticus and break it down historically, there is some kind of a cultural reason for a lot of that you know shellfish can go bad guess what no refrigeration pork is something else that can go very bad uh, a lot of these things are, are yeah. you know the reason it's, so basically becomes, it's about lack of refrigeration <laughs> lack of refrigeration it's the or, basis of leviticus you know you don't want to encourage i mean it never technically says don't be gay but at a time when you're trying to um make more of your culture so that there are more, because there's safety in numbers, obviously you want every shot to count so you can have more people. We don't need that now. We don't need to worry about that. And we have lots of refrigeration for all our pork and lobster. 
So, but okay, so back to happiness and back yeah. to raising the vibration. Yeah. Um, so I've noticed that when I am present mm-hmm. and attentive, that, that I remember things better, I have better experiences with people. I agree. My everything is better from if everything is better, whether it's um, eating, whether it's working out, whether it's having sex, whether it is sitting with my mom tonight. It was really adorable. I just had dinner with her, um, and she was asking me because we weren't that close growing up. Not be- just because for various reasons. A long story which I won't go into now, but. But I reached a point as an adult woman where I thought, my my parents are getting old. I I have to find a way to them. So I've bridged and and become much closer to both my parents. And uh, one of the delights of that is that we get to know each other. It's nice. And so to revisit our relationship without blame has been my intention because... um, Oh, certainly I can sit back and go, these guys were too young to have kids and this is where they messed up. I could do that. But instead, I choose to just introduce her because she asked me, what did you do between this year and that year? Like when you were this old and that old, where did you live? And so tonight I was explaining my itinerary that, you know, where I lived and stuff and without any blame. And I noticed that it was so nice for her to hear about it. She's like, oh, that's really impressive. I didn't know that's what you did. And so it's a wonderful way for us to get to know each other. And I'm enjoying the fact that I'm not bludgeoning her with my history you know what I'm saying absolutely and and, and because of that she feels good and then I also feel good because she's able to appreciate what happened and she sees that I'm not um, damaged by it even though it was quite young that I lived on my own. And I get to also sort of say, I was amazing. And it was sad that I didn't have a normal childhood. But the good news, it was the only, who does, right. But the good news is we get to be together now. Now, how old are your folks? My mom is in her, um, she's like 75. Okay. And uh, dad's almost 80. He's 79. And they're both very independent still? Yeah, they're fine. They don't have anything. Yeah, I mean, Dad just got over cancer. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm sure if neurologically, if we were to do a test, they probably are a little lower sure. than super sharp. But I mean, they're sharp. You yeah. Know? No, but that's wonderful. They're not. They're and, not. And you're just so so. Th- you just be thankful to have them. Yeah. And be thankful. I'm to enjoying them. I call them. I tell them they're like an extinct. They're like, a, you know, what is that? When the species species is about to, what do you call that? Endangered. Oh. I say to them, you guys are like the endangered species because they're of a certain era. Yeah. That it's, you know, it's a matter of time and then they're going to transition, right? Right. Um, and I don't, I try. But I mean, it could be a lot of time. It could be 20 years. Who knows? No, they're not both not going to live that long. Okay. I don't think so. I don't want them to. Oh, I, okay. I think it's kind of rugged to live to be in your 90s. I mean, I've, the, the people that I've noticed in my travels that have the most sharpness that are in their 100 yeah. have been fairly wealthy. Okay. Like super wealthy and powerful. And, and even then, they were sort of the ones I've met recently were kind of cranky about being so old. Or, or in our business. I think in, in our business, because people are constantly working with younger people and mm-hmm. getting dialogue and learning it, the, 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 something about still being very passionate about what you do keeps you very young. Keeps you sharper. Yeah. I not, think it would be like, right, because look at Cloris Leachman. She's amazing. Yeah, I mean. And I, she's yeah. 95, and she's sharp, sharp. Yeah. Considering she's probably not not that sharp, but she's sharp. No, she was that old. She's ninety. She's ninety five. Wow. I mean, she's really not. Yeah, she's yeah. in her nineties, and she was in the. Uh, did you see the comedian, the new movie with no. Taylor Hat, 
Taylor Hackford directed Bob De Niro in this new movie this year. It's called The Comedian, and I, I loved it. I saw. I've seen it a couple times. I yeah. think it's fantastic. I saw her at an event. Um, she plays. She's I saw her at the event. We were both at that event for the screening of the hunting. The uh, oh right the uh, the, hunting, the, hunt, the hunting ground hunting ground yeah that was that uh, about the rape right. in the people college. that did um, she was there that was at a house right yeah 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 she was there yeah it was at a house in Brentwood it was wonderful yeah another place Frances Fisher dragged me to which I I'm not complaining Frances. about I, I love Frances she can drag me anywhere she's just spectacular I want to get she's her one here of the too best actors I lo- I think she's wonderful and I and I, she supports acting and she supports yeah. us she she, she supports our was, theater scene yeah, beautifully yeah. I mean uh, when our theater scene, which has been in jeopardy with the union, I mean, she literally made an iHeart 99 shirt and walked up and down the streets just walking into <laughs> theaters and saying, what goes on here? And randomly going to see plays. And I mean, I she really is a, a people, a person of the people. And, and I have her, I'm just waiting. She's on hold for a show right now. And I'm going to get her in here as soon as I can. I love her. I love Franny. I, um, I think she's one of the best actors, too. She's 90. She's Chloris, 90. Chloris Chloris is 90. Yeah, and still a spitfire. And still a spitfire and funny. Oh, my gosh. And in the comedians, she's spectacular. But don't you think there is something about this industry? Being happy. That, yeah, being happy and being engaged in your art and immersed in what you do that keeps you young. Because I just had a, a couple times on the show Paul Dooley, who I love. And, you know, he's 80, 89. I believe, and, and just oh. and did a one-man show this summer for Fringe Festival. Wow. And Orson Bean, who I believe wow. is now 90, who's been here and is lovely, um, did a show that ran in Santa Monica for like three months wow. and sent me a letter and said, oh, I'm so sorry, I haven't been out to do your improv shows yet, but, you know, I'm in this play and it's eight shows a week and I'm, and I'm 90. And I'm like, uh, wow, you had me at eight shows a week and now plus you're 90. Ed Asner. I know. Uh, who I love, who's 87 now. And always he's sharp. Is sharp as a tack and always out to out doing things and doing readings for ch- for theater charities. and. But there's something about, I think, being connected to the whole. So that's a social na- that's a social group. So when you're of a certain um, age, it's important then to be engaged. I think it's important to be engaged even at everyone's age. Yeah. There's I something know. about that. I've noticed that um, uh, as I turned 40 um, last year, I'm so kidding, I'm going to be 50 in April. As I turned 40, <laughs> I noticed that a lot of my friends who were my age, you know, give or take a couple of years either way, who were who were no longer engaged, either they mm. they were married to somebody who worked so they didn't have to, and they weren't doing anything except just sitting around getting mani petties and watching all my children, or they um, they had become for whatever reason fearful to go out, or they had stopped stopped loving things, stopped working for that charity they loved, suddenly became very isolated and removed. And what came with that was a lot of unhappiness and mental. And then I think the, out of balance. Then I think the mental out of balance, and and I believe, and this is just my theory, and I could be a hundred percent wrong, that the mental out of balance is what sort of starts that fast track mm-hmm. to then becoming what we call senile. Mm-hmm. Not always. Sometimes very engaged people get Alzheimer's and get dementia. It's not nothing's ever, you know. Um, but there's something about staying really aware. And I noticed with my mom, who always seemed. You know, my parents were eight years apart. My dad was eight years older. He always seemed 20 years older than he was, and she always seemed 20 years younger. And 
But that's because she was a lover and she had a, lo- a big social yes. net. And she had, she had a lot of things she was involved in and she had a lot of things she did. She was a fine artist and was always mm-hmm. making something. And when he retired full time and was around and then she, she broke her back. Mm-hmm. So her main influence was kind of him and she stopped going out and doing things. I noticed that she began to age very quickly yeah. the more isolated that she became. Well, that goes to show you that we are, we are creatures who need to be in a pack. Yes, and we need to be connected with a purpose to mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Even if that purpose is I, every Saturday and Sunday I go down and I, I go to the, the food bank and I feed people. Right. It doesn't have to be necessarily a career. Right. I think it's why people are so engaged when their kids are young. Yeah. And then their kids grow up and get their own families and sometimes they disengage. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I know when you did one of my State of the Nation shows on the Sheena Metal Experience a couple of weeks ago and we talked about you know kind of your dad and how involved he is in what's going on with politics and sociology and my mom was always that way too she would watch you know every news show every entertainment show oh my dad show. has a religion his religion is the legalization of marijuana and he is it's re- a purpose. and his purpose is to not only talk about um, every kind of aspect f- to do with marijuana but also he's a, he's a big proponent of of the positive aspects of it the Fantastic. CBD oil and stuff like that. I don't necessarily share a lot of that with him but um, that's his that's definitely what keeps him alive. I mean he wants to live to be if he could he'd live to be a thousand. I on the other hand I'm okay about about not living to be a thousand? I don't want to be that old. No, I, I want to I mean, live to be a thousand. You want to be a thousand? Not See? because I'm scared to die, but because I feel like I have so much work to do here. I have a lot of work that I want to do, for sure, but there is a part of me, too, that just says, you know, I think it was Zeke Emanuel who said, uh, 75, after 75, the body starts to sort of go, oof. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's harder to keep a good quality of life after 75. And I was thinking, I'm all set with that. And then I realized, ah, the universe, because I'm all set with that, the universe is going to go, she's going to live to be yeah. 117. Yes. Yeah. Because she's a little cheeky devil. Exactly. Right? You know? You're right. I'm cheeky. Yep. You're going to become the centurion it's, on Good Morning America. There were these, there was a, a sister group, two women um, from the South. They were both, they were sisters, obviously. They were black, uh, African-American, and uh, one lived to be 117, and uh, the younger one, um, I think she lived to be about a, she, 109. 117. Yeah. And they lived together. They outlived everybody in sure. every aspect of their family, and but they, so they were asked, you know, when they, I think one was um, whatever they were in their hundreds, and they were asked what was their longevity, and it turned out that they they ate very little. They, I mean, they weren't big eaters, and they did the same thing every day. Like they had, but they had a routine, yeah. and they ate, you know they gardened and they did yoga and they ate very little. They ate, but they ate, you know, and they, but they didn't have any stress. Yeah. They had like a really simplified, beautiful thing, and it turned out that the years just clicked by, and it's so interesting. So if you're out there and you're feeling a little bit toxic and or um, not happy, I think the first thing you can do to raise your vibration is, is try to get rid of stress. Absolutely, yeah. And, if, and there's good stress and bad stress. You know, getting really excited about a project and working on it or staying up for two days while you finish that sculpture, that's good stress. 
bad stress is, is that stress that's more like passion well but it's you're, also can be stressful because you're like oh my god i want to get i gotta get this done i gotta get this done i'm staying up finishing this screenplay uh th- there's all these studies now on the difference in good stress and bad that's stress. a good stress because i feel that's motivation i agree uh bad so you're stress haunted bad stress is, has toxicity that comes with there's, it you're, it's just nothing good about you're, it you're 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 allowing your own fears to dictate what you're doing you're putting fearful people and people that are making you fearful in your life they're outsiders or you yourself are compromising your spiritual immune system your vibration is stunted because uh, you're not allowing it to and raise also up. i think bad stress is an addiction you can be right. addicted to it because you don't know any better i i agree you know and people say oh right on it's not fair because you have money you did your life is different i go wait a second no 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 stop stop you can i could have stress about not having as much money as oprah or yeah. I, you oh, know goodness. what i mean like we could all stress it's about your that. story no one has as money it's as your story oprah. even like god you, it's your <laughs> I'm glad you said that and I didn't. Um, but it's your story about your life that can keep us addicted to being. Because I remember I about 30 years ago, um, I woke up and realized, oh, my goodness, I am so used to being panicked. I, I had this epiphany that I was so used to the idea of panic, like that vibration of just pure white knuckle panic like oh my god everything's gonna go to hell that my cortisol level naturally in my body was so extremely high even when I had tons of money in the bank I had no outer stress I had everything going my way I noticed that my my cortisol level my stress level was so high and none of it was warranted yeah, and it made me realize it because of the way I was raised, which was pretty much in a, you know, st- I was on my own so early. It was an addiction. Yeah, it was an addiction to be that to always be on the edge to always. And when I finally realized I was addicted to cortisol, it's literally and it was making me sick. I had to stop and 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 reorganize my my chemistry. Mentally, it's, it was. It, and by the way, those of you that are addicted to stress and don't know it, I pray for you. You don't know it, but it's a thing. It's oh, an addiction. I believe it's a thing. Yeah, I think also being addicted to fear is a thing. That's what I mean. It was that some people live uh, in a place of fear and they don't feel alive unless it's it's like hardcore. Right? I remember I was, um, I was, you know, I was working at the time for CBS on the Howard Stern station. <laughs> and making pretty good money and uh, always worried that I didn't have the syndication deal, that it, I didn't have the TV talk show, I didn't have this, I didn't have that, and always scared every day they were going to let me go, which they always did, and then they'd rehire me to do another show. And it was this panic of, when am I going to get this show they can't take away? And what was your body like? What did you feel? Like, I mean, how I just, you? I was always panicked. Like, every time the program director oh. would call, I would sure that it was the guillotine, the radio guillotine coming. And then I read an article that year, oddly enough with two A-list celebrities that both had wound up in rehab and both had said very similar things that no matter how much you have, you panic that the next day you're going to lose it. And I thought, oh, well, if, if, they have, if they've had that much and they're worried they're going to lose it, 
then this is something everybody worries about. Therefore, it's not an exclusive to me thing. Therefore, it's probably not going to happen to me any more than it happens to anyone else. Therefore, I can let it go. If I can rationalize something, even crazy emotional things, I can start to get on the road to talking myself down. Okay, so there is this spectacular documentary that you should see. It's called Minimalism, The Minimalists. And it's about these two... Uh, I guess they're called uh, millennials. Okay. Who were able to reduce their lives down to the basic stuff. They only needed a certain amount of clothing. Like, let's just say they, they were able to reduce their wardrobe down to, you know, 30 pieces of clothing. Okay. And they were able to just simplify, simplify, simplify. And what they did was they were able to, um, they didn't need the huge apartment or they didn't need the, the best car. They were able to just reduce their overhead so that it was so super manageable. Um, that they were happier, and it became it has become a religion. I believe it's called the Minimalist. You can rent it on um, on uh, Netflix. Okay, and it is a, it's a movement. I mean, they, you know, there is the Simplify movement, but the Minimalist, the minimalism, it's a movement for us to regain our balance and to regain our happiness because these little these giant homes are not paying for themselves and we're on a treadmill of having to get the next job, get the next job to pay for a lifestyle that isn't making us happy. Yeah. What they discovered is that relationships, sharing economy, using stuff. I mean, I can reckon that 70% of the people listening to the show tonight have no idea what they own. Yeah. And I'm I'm one of them. And I decided a couple of, I think when my mom died, because obviously when my mom died, I inherited more stuff that uh, I, I don't need to get anything because I have it. So I'm just going to use what I have and just enjoy everything It's called that closet I have. shopping. Go and into yes, your house. closet shop. And shop for everything. in your own home for yeah. things because you, you have not touched Start, all the I started things. taking stock of things because I have to take stock in her house and decide what I want, what I want to give away, what I want to sell, et cetera, et cetera. So I started doing it in my own home as well. And I mean, I've got a ways to go of thinking like, what do I really want and what am I okay to let go of? And there's so many great ways to let things go now. You can donate, there's eBay, there's let go. I mean, there's <laughs> estate companies. I mean, there's so many things And it's kind of do. fun. And it's like, and okay, so then tonight at dinner with my mom, her friend joined her because we had to separate. I was coming here and she was going somewhere. And uh, her friend pulls up and, and she says, oh, I just bought this jacket. It was uh, it was twelve dollars, and I'm looking at this woman, and she's got to be in her seventies. Right. And I'm thinking, I bet you she has eighteen of those jackets at her, in her closet. She didn't need a new one. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just because, but she said it was tw- it was actually twelve dollars because it was twelve dollars she bought it, not yeah. that she needed it. And this our culture, we need to stop that. Yeah. Buying because it's inexpensive or a good deal, twofer, a twofer. <laughs> Yeah. It's costing us our sanity. Yeah, I think that's true. And I have to tell you something. Sharing things, like I realize, like I'll look at something and I'll say, oh, there's a hole in it. What my first reflex is, oh, I got to throw it away. It's got, it's, it's getting, it's getting shaggy. And now I'm going, wait a second. It's something I love. I love the way this feels. All I have to do is, is repair it. Yeah. And when you repair things, 
it's got a history. The, in other words, you see what I'm saying? I, I agree with you 100%. And I think I, my folks were older when they had me, so I was raised by Depression-era people. And that was the idea, right? You buy one really great coat, and it'll last you forever. You buy an amazing car. I mean, I'm, I'm 49, and I have had, until I started leasing, so but uh, when I bought my when I leased my first Mercedes in 2004 so I was 37 I had had 3 cars in my life mm-hmm. and the first one I still have right because I just I kept things. Actually, you know, it's weird. I had a, a Range Rover, um, one of the first ones in, that were popular in the early 80s, mid, mid-80s, and I was just reading an article where they're saying those old Range Rovers are coming back. And they're going to be really valuable. That's awesome. And I just find it fascinating because they fall apart. When they fall apart, they fall apart big time. But And I was just thinking, oh, my God, if I think about all the cars that we've owned. I, I haven't owned that many, but I'm, I've, I've actually kept them for a while. But I was thinking, but then you'd have to have a huge yard. Right. You have to have like a Jay Leno type barn <laughs> where you keep them all. But, just but he also, Jay Leno, I, okay, listen, but he made so much money. Sure. That he had to have a hobby in order to just, yeah. you well, know. And the, the preservation of old cars is it's it's fantastic. I mean, to Jay Leno was pulling down a hundred million dollars a year, right. right? And I think it's nice that somebody takes old cars and preserves them because part of what's that's also, historical. The other side of what's wrong with us is we throw everything away. Yeah, that we don't think about. Like, there's a, a lady that lives. I live in a townhome complex, and there's a lady who lives. I see her when I'm walking because I walk around the complex at night because it's gated and it's safe. And I, I swear, she has the things that she's throwing away. I hope somebody from the uh, from the sanitation department, I hope uses that and gives it to some, like paintings and uh, easels and computers and you know brand new strollers and I guess seeing how poor my mom grew up, I'm like there are people that would give their eye teeth to maybe they have an artistic child who never has had an easel. And why is she doing this? Is she crazy? Maybe I just think she goes through her house and does these purges, uh-huh. and every time the trash goes out. She has like an enormous, you know, storage unit sized thing and she's just throwing it away. And, and I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of there's there's some place where things can go. Like I'm a fan of then outside my complex, somebody took like an AV unit, a bookcase, a couch and a TV and they're sitting waiting for someone to take it. Somebody will come and take that and yeah. use it. You mean an AC? Uh, Air conditioning? No, no, no. AV, audio video. Like oh, where a TV oh, goes. Oh, right. Like a cabinet where a TV oh. goes inside before we hung TVs on the wall. Oh, my gosh. So it's like a whole a entertainment center. Like an entertainment center. And they put it out on the road. They just put it out on the street. Somebody will sit. come and pick that up in the night, and, and they will use yeah. it. They'll refurbish it. They'll Even if they just use the wood and put it in their fireplace, at least it's it's something. It's not moving. just contributing to the landfill. Yeah. You know, you can drop things off at Goodwill. You can take things to the Salvation Army. Like, there are places that you can go and places that you can drop things. I'm just not a big fan of waste. No, I agree. I agree. We're a very wasteful culture. Well, I think in Germany, when you go shopping in the... Um have you been to Germany? No. When you go shopping in a grocery store in Germany, they make you, you buy your things, but before you leave the store, you have to recycle the packaging. Oh. So you go through, you check out. You, well, how do you take it home? So this is the funny thing. This is so trippy. You buy your goodies that you get from the market, and then you pay for it, and you go to this table, and it's like you undress the food. You take all the cereal out of the box thing and leave it there and you just take the the cereal thing you reduce your garbage before you leave the oh, store that's interesting um because they don't want uh, landfill issues 
And there's high fees in Berlin for anything you throw away. Isn't that smart? Yeah. So everything you buy in this in Germany, you are responsible to the afterlife. Yeah. So isn't that fascinating? I think that's so responsible. I was thinking about that today with the dry cleaner. I was unpacking my dry cleaning, thinking about how many hangers do we waste? How many wire hangers? And you don't really need them in your house because there's so many. No. Um, why can't they just fold your clothes? And every every sweater, every uh, shirt, all had a big piece of tissue paper inside. Now that seems it's unnecessary. Wasteful. It's wasteful. And why can't they just fold up the clothes and tie them with a ribbon and give them back to you? <laughs> I mean, you know. Because it's, then they'll be wrinkled. Yeah, but not sweaters and not. That's true. It just seems like a lot. And then, then they have to put paper over the hangers, then a bag over But don't you get worried everything. about the chemicals in uh, dry cleaning? See, you know I get I can't get so worried about everything. I get worried about the chemicals. I have to let things go. So. Every time I pick up the 409 to clean, I can't think it's going to kill me. <laughs> like, I just, I can't get to that place of fearing everything. All Although there are um, 409, I don't know. I don't know what's in it. But it is sometimes important because our bodies do respond to... Sure. To, and what happens is the off-gassing. Sure. From the from the pectin or whatever it is that sure. they use. But you know what? I don't use a lot of anything. Like, okay. I live by myself. and No, I know. But dry I cleaning, can, I'm always worried about that. But you can go to green dry cleaning, yeah. by the way. Do you sure. know that? Yeah. They have green, green places that are less... Absolutely. <laughs> Sure. I mean, I know there's everything to worry about. It's there is. Gonna, I mean, I, listen, I know. where I, I live, I it. where I live, I am close to those. What are those things called? Oil. Oh, I'm in the middle of the city, and so I oh, realize oil wells. We have tons of. Well, oil I grew up wells. in Huntington Beach, where they were everywhere, and they're everywhere, and they are not friendly. And they make an interesting noise. They're like a. Well, I can't. I'm not that close to them, but oh. I'm I'm within four miles. They make a, really a scary. They used I, to be all over Huntington when we moved there in 1980. And but the, now the off gassing and the toxicity of the stuff that they put yeah. anywhere near these things is ridiculous. And I was reading an article in the L.A. Times, and I was thinking because I I'm in my old neighborhood when I was li- when we first moved oh, okay. to L.A. We lived in this neighborhood, and now here I am, 55, living in this neighborhood again. And I, I have to and tell do you, you, love it, love because it's it's really it's the Jew black neighborhood where okay. I live and so there's families and people are you know on the roads we have lots of walkers because it's a Hasidic right. community I just can't imagine where there are oil wells in Los Angeles in that area oh yeah there is an there's two on one's on Doheny and Pico an oil well, but you can't okay. tell because they're covered. They look like buildings. Okay. And then the Hollywood, uh, Beverly Hills High has one. Oh. That big tower, like, that oh. weird painted thing That's is an why oil I didn't well. No, okay. In Huntington, they just sat out there no, like crazy they birds. They hide them in Beverly Hills okay. on the border. And then where the other oil field is, is on the way to Baldwin Hills. It's that, that hump of uh, ma- that, that haley bit before the airport. Right? Sure. That's all oil wells. You've seen it. You've gone out Stalker yeah, and Los Angeles. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's really close, I think, to where I live. And I just think, God, you know, I don't know what the groundwater is like or what the, the, but you know that kind of stuff affects us like yeah. we are we are close enough to it that there is an impact yeah it's what about the gas that comes out of the tar pits what I, if you live super close to the La Brea tar pits I know but you know I was wondering about that too gas that's, out of those. that's not treated 
So no, I don't know. Still, th- I don't think a lot of methane is really good for you either. <laughs> L.A., it's a you, danger zone. You can kill yourself with your well, own farting. Are you here? And, yes, exactly. <laughs> and let's met, try it. I just thought of this like massive like Dutch oven. <laughs> yeah. Were you here in 94 for the Northridge quake? I really, you, here's, the, here's the thing. I left four hours. Whenever it happened, I, le- I was in Toronto the day before. Okay, but you were living so here. I missed it. Time. I was living here, yeah. Now I they, lost a cat in that. Oh, era. I'm so sorry. No, no, I think it moved. I think he just we because I had left my cat. I was only supposed to be gone for three days, so I had left food out. Yeah. My cats could go in and out of my apartment safely, and it was a ground floor apartment, and I had bars, so I kept it open all the windows. And uh, my cat that earthquake happened, and one of the cats was there, but the other one had gone. Yeah, I and had a I, friend who lost her cat during that. Day. I think the, he just moved. Yeah. <laughs> she had this funky looking cat. Had, her face looked like a Harlequin mask, and she wouldn't answer to any name, so her name was <laughs> Kitty Come Here. It was the only thing she would answer to was Kitty Come Here. And there was always something about Kitty Come Here that just wasn't right. And after the earthquake, she just stopped coming here. Yeah. <laughs> that was the end of her. Well, Pooh Bell was his name, because we found, a friend of mine found a box of little underage kittens oh. in a garbage. And Aww. so I called him La Poubelle, which is French for garbage. Poubelle. Isn't that a nice word <laughs> for, for garbage? Isn't poubelle. That lovely? So Poubelle. Love the French. So Poubelle was this beautiful black, gorgeous. He looked like a um, he looked like a panther. I loved him actually. He was one of my he of the two, he was in some ways my favorite, although Jasper was the one. And uh Poubelle, I think, knew that and so he left. And I think some fantastic queen ended up adopting him. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I love the story that a fantastic queen. I just got have him. that in my brain. Uh, well, but remember for like a year after the Northridge quake, a lot of us were sick. Oh, and why it was, was because that? everything from the plates moving stirred up a bunch of stuff in the Gases. earth that was suddenly out where we were breathing it all and it oh. was stu- it was all kinds of you know flora and fauna and molds and spores we weren't used to oh interesting so just the earth itself sometimes is not all that great for you i'm not saying that you should all run out now and have everything dry clean because of that but you know you <laughs> kind of have to i always think everything in moderation including my panic so, over everything okay so sheena who of the people you know and, and excluding us because we're together would you say is a fine example of a high vibration i just want to give um you know your read your listeners uh, you know a visual oh god i have i, I don't you know, know come on you can think i have I mean, a lot of examples give, of, a, give of me, a high vibration just let's, uh, uh, let's i think a, a lot of people in my life are are, a, are I would say so um, not just in your life but in general in the world like I was just going to say Mother Teresa I, I think that's a beautiful example yeah although people it, you know the critics of her some people are very critical of her because she was able to bridge with uh, dictators I think also she was just really a, sh- a, a, a very shrewd businesswoman and she wanted her you know the the um, her charities to do well I agree and a lot of times dictators they may be murdering a lot of people but they also want to give to Mother Teresa right <laughs> so they would give her a lot of money so she was a little bit more generous to some of them and not quickly to judge them for their atrocities I mean so she was self-focused but I do think that she but, had a high vibration but what is the I mean at some point Point, you have to compromise for the sake of the vibration. Right. You have to, in order to feed more people. Francis is cool. This Francis boat. is, I, I was going to say, he was who I was going to say. That, and again, he has critics too. And people say, but he didn't do this. And I'm like, but you know what? He's done a lot. There's never going to be one person that does everything I do want. also, what I really like about this Pope, Pope Francis, is that he, I really, I believe that he doesn't, he's not impressed with the uh, pomp and circumstance of being a Pope. 
I really buy that he early on decided I'm going to be for the people and I'm going to be humble. And I really feel like he, he, the trappings of being a pope and all the, you know, the Vatican hoo-ha, I don't yeah. think that that, I don't think he's um, corrupted by it at all. If anything, I think he's a little bit irritated by it. I agree. Well, when they fought him on the shoes, remember, he didn't want the Prada <laughs> shoes. He just wanted to wear his own shoes. Yeah, can I have my, sh- can I have and, my. And uh, they fought, he's like, I don't need new shoes. I have my little red slippers and they're just fine. Uh, I think that kind of a thing. And, and I think the way that he's trying to bridge the Catholic Church with the rest of the world in in kind of a very um, beautiful assimilation. And I'm sure there are critics that don't want that to happen on that end, too. Well, but I, I like his vibration. I do. I really trust it. I feel like, I feel like I he has sold me in. I believe that he isn't a man of the stuff. That he's the man of the people. I agree. I think that's I really important. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a really important. I think. I think. Uh, I think Gandhi's a beautiful example of a high vibration. Mm-hmm. But then again, he too, right, was a. Was a I just heard the worst thing. Roster. The worst thing I ever heard about Gandhi was that he had bad breath. But I think it's just well, because he fasted was, a lot. I was going to say because he, he was, was always fasting. sitting in front of a tank fasting. He was fasting, and fasting you um, release a lot of gases in your body <laughs> because you don't have your. You know, basically, it's it's the stomach. Sure. So I think that's why his, he had really bad breath. If that's the worst thing that you have to say about somebody. That's is that not they so, had bad breath. Uh, I'm a, in today, since today is the observance of his birthday, I'm a huge fan of Abraham Lincoln. I think that. Uh, and, yeah, and he I has like critics him too. too. But I, I think like him he, too. I think, I think he did a good did. job. I think he had beautiful things to say, and he had a lot of pressure. Yeah, he fought the he fought the system. He because he had pressure. a he had a uh, something that he believed was wrong, and he witn- he recognized Frederick Douglass's greatness. Absolutely, any man that can look at a man for the for their value and their core principles and who they are as character, regardless of their social standing, if you can recognize greatness in someone, regardless of whether or not they are the wrong color socially, then that to me means it's a stellar soul. It's right. a like minded greatness. But I don't think he thought about. I don't think he thought of things in terms of the wrong color. I think no, he, no. I don't think he was racist at all. I, race I aware. At I don't all. think. I think he was a very evolved soul. We're talking about Abraham Lincoln, yes, right? And I think we mm-hmm. needed him at that time. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just came for that mission, and when that mission was over, he left the earth. Right. You well, know, some, some of us have a shorter. We have some a people best come before just date. for a purpose. We have a best before date. Right. Although he lived a long time for that era. Well, he was what fifty three when he was uh, knocked off. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and also, he did a really cool thing. He did end um, slavery, right? End the Civil War. I mean, uh, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, he that's changed a huge, the whole trajectory. Can you of imagine our country? how 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 intense that was must yeah. have been during that era? I mean, of course, historically, we didn't fare that well because then there was a kick. They kicked in the Jim Crow laws, but. It's my dad has this thing about planet Earth. He says, you know, Radon, planet Earth is vibrationally a little thicker than than other places where beings probably exist. Sure. And it's a thicker vibration. We come here to learn about the sludge, to learn about how di- the difficult stuff. This is yeah. what he says. I like to call it soul school. You do? Yeah. It's but soul school. We come here for to face different things so that our souls can grow. Right. That's what I, I noticed something. I don't know if you've noticed this in your travels, Sheena, but when you think you've really p- 
progressed, I've noticed it's not that much progress. <laughs> like, in other words, I will think, oh, I've really gotten this lesson. I've really gotten, I've really done. And then it's like, oh. In other words, I want, I don't know why in my ego, I want to see that I've, you know, just spiritually reached a certain place and then I realized my god it's like a it's like a container of Pringles right when you think you've really got it dialed you'll pick up a and there's one that looks exactly like it like in other words yeah. the progress is pretty minuscule well, I think it's like the first time I ever played a video game and I'm not a gamer but when games were new I had you know somebody bought me a an Atari, and I, I, then I later I had a games are very Nintendo. can be very spiritual. And I remember when I first started playing this Nintendo, and I got to the end of the Mario Brothers, and I <laughs> met the dragon, and I was like woohoo! And then there was another level, <laughs> and then I did, and I was like what? And then there was another level, and I kept thinking, what is this ever going to be over? And for me, as a reincarnationist, that's sort of the progress of our souls. Yeah, that you just kind of, and it gets tougher every time. Because you've been through a lot of things. Yeah. So sometimes you find people that are very enlightened and very uh, Well, do you remember wise. the first time you realized that other people have better lives than you? Did you ever have that, that realization where, oh, my God, there are people on this planet who are having even more fun than you're having? Have you ever, did you ever have that thought? I don't thought? know that I ever thought that. I don't know that I ever thought of it in that in those terms i don't know that i ever wanted to trade my life i'll tell you last night i was watching the grammys with a friend and and they were that was that duet with keith urban and carrie underwood and she pointed out how beautiful carrie underwood's legs are <laughs> and being somebody who you know, never had a great body and was always heavy there was a minute where i thought what must it be like to go through life with that body and just sort of have, it's a lot that, of work. have that in your toolbox. It's a lot of work. But I don't want to trade places with her, and it's I don't think she has a better life than me. someone who's had that and had the other, it's a lot of work. You don't eat. You, you Believe it or not, when you were when I was my most thin and could wear, like, micro, mini, everything, everything. without with no fat showing anywhere, I would never did think I had a pretty body. And you, you can't eat anything. You cannot stray off the path, yeah. right? So it's a lot of work. You know, you are everything you consume. There is a thought of. Right. Um, but that's interesting. Yeah. No. One day I remember I was in my life and it just occurred to me. <laughs> this is so funny. I'm so slow. And I was like, oh, my God, there is someone right now who is having an even better time than I'm having. Wow. Is that I, I don't a, even know how to quantify. Isn't that, that crazy? And I realized and I and I had a moment of where I went I dug deep in. I was like, oh, they have everything is even exponentially more perfect than I could isn't that crazy? Is that a is that a bad wow. thing to think? No, not a bad thing. Um they had prettier environment, they were you know what I mean? I just one day I realized there are there there are, there are a lot of people who are having even more fun than I'm having, and I'm having a lot of fun. And it was a funny thought. I remember I was humbled by it. I was humbled by it. I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." Wow. <laughs> Am I crazy? Uh, no, but I don't think. I mean, I think that's very common, but it's not something that I ever really thought in those terms. No. Um, I'm always just so being so grateful for what I have because no no it didn't make me not like what I was having it made me I don't know I just in that moment it was almost like I felt like I had grown it made me grow up 
I as I I sort of went from came I guess I was coming from a place of just where I thought I was the most of everything and it was a moment when I realized I wasn't I okay. wasn't all that like in other words I hadn't prior to that moment thought about that there was someone with something with everything better than I had and it, when I realized that there were, in fact, indeed, people on the planet having even more fun than I was having, who were even more of everything, and it made me kind of go, oh, that's interesting. I felt like it made me grow up. Okay. So, I, so, what, so then tell me, what did somebody else have that you thought meant they were having more fun? It, okay, this is what I, I, I went, because I, I, I've always thought I had the most amazing life. Like, it's so, been so exciting, really interesting. And there were people that were smarter than me, more beautiful, who were more loved, who had more friends that were they had their day to day they were doing really interesting even more interesting things you know jumping out of helicopters or whatever you know I mean I could like sit down and tell you that their everyday experience was of a higher level than I was like they were only around PhDs and Nobel laureates and (laughs) I'm just trying to think you know like you know sometimes I even think about like Wendy Dang to give you an example okay now mind you I don't know that I could you know marry somebody who looked or was Rupert Murdoch but I'm sure he's interesting and charming but he's not my type but so there was a cost for that but you know just where everyone you know is accomplished and interesting and fascinating and doing amazing things and then you know and she has a full bank account and she's able to hang out that's yeah that, that part is nice I, you know, but those I have, people always seem so unhappy when I meet them. <laughs> no, she's not unhappy. I, but, but maybe, but, but, you know, like I think about like Elon Musk. I think about somebody. Not that I, not that I want to be with a man who has autism. But, and I don't even know if he has autism allegedly. But he seems like he might be a little Aspergery. But there's a part <laughs> of me that says, you know, I, I do like exposure to brilliant people. I do get a little charge when I'm around someone that's. And the best at what they do. Uh, and I agree. Uh, they're people I like to call rock stars. Like, yeah, like Margaret Mead. Or Somebody who just really does their thing. Jean I think Houston, when I, you know, I've been oh, to Esalen and I've met, you know, people I met like her, that. I her, in fact, she was, but you yeah. know what I loved about Jean when I met her was there was such a, a gentle kindness that came out of her. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, it was all about, are you smart and are you, are you talented? That was my thing. Yeah. Now my thing is really kindness and yeah. gentleness. Well, now because we're older. And, and I think because I've spent enough years on the earth and I've met enough people who were amazingly talented and brilliantly smart, but they weren't, they weren't gentle and they weren't kind. The thing I like about Jean is she has a beautiful gentleness to her as well. Yeah. It's a word that you would bring her up because... Really? I had such a lovely experience with her in Sedona. Yeah, I thought she was... Yeah, I was at Esalon and she was speaking. It was a master's weekend where everybody had was somewhat of a master in whatever group, whatever was their field. And I was lucky enough. I don't know why I was in that group, but I was able to be a part of that group. And it was one of one of those weekends where everybody was pretty much on top of their game. So she was one of the great speakers. Yeah, she's a wonderful I had speaker. A good time. And she uh, uh, she was my friends for a couple of years at a conference in Sedona called World Wisdom Days. They both lived there, and she was one of the keynotes the first year. And at the VIP party, they dragged me over to meet her. And I told her that I was so impressed with when she was speaking the Irish dialects that she had done from different eras, because I'm Irish-American, and it's a hard accent to get, and the difference in her current-day Irish and her thousand-year-ago Irish. And she just looked at me and said, oh, you're Irish. And she started singing Irish ballads for me, like, in the middle of this party. 
And I thought, what a lovely, oh, darling person yeah. who just knows that I'm Irish and wants to sing me some ballads. Oh, but and you see, that's, that's an Irish thing to do. <laughs> it's a very Irish thing, just to break into song. Have you been to Ireland? I have not. Of? No, I'm going to take my mom's ashes there. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I've never been either. And I've always wanted to go. I'm part Irish. I'm a Gilchrist from okay. my dad's mother's side. Um, although it's so funny. She had an accent, my grandmother. But she wasn't from... She was born in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Oh, goodness. And uh, her mom, when she was alive, was super, super Irish sounding. And I don't believe she was even born in Ireland. So it was a funny little Canadian brogue that yeah, was Irish A lot based. of Irishmen in Canada. And um, But I've always wanted to go to Ireland, um, partly because I want to see where Joyce wrote. Yeah. And I want to, I just, I just, I've always felt very akin to my Irish. Uh, absolutely. And there's a, s- a certain kind of, maybe because the Irish were treated like, like the African American, there's a sense of, um, what's the word? There's a kinship. Yeah, there's a soulfulness. There definitely to is. To being Irish that, to me, reminds me of what it's like to be a person of I color. I agree. I always say that uh, the Irish are pigmentally challenged people of color. <laughs> that we're only white on the outside. No, it's true. And, and, and sometimes that makes a, people very upset when I say offended. that. But, the, you know, even like Sinead O'Connor, like everyone's, you know, she may be balanced, imbalanced mentally, but I really love a lot of what she has said. And I, I agree. I really feel like in some ways she's the Joan of Arc of I mean, I think she actually probably feels a kinship to the Joan of Arc of Ireland because I, I loved what she said about the Pope when she said it, you know, in terms of it really I, I in agree. the Catholic Church. I agree. I don't know. I just Well, and interestingly enough, during the famine, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the, the largest amount of money to come into the country outside of Irish Americans or Irish people that had moved out of Ireland during the potato famine was the Cherokee Nation. And their their uh, their explanation for why was that they felt that the Irish was kin to them mm-hmm. because we had both gone through the struggle for our land. Right. So I always think of African Americans, Irish Americans, and Native Americans yeah. as we're all we've all sort of had very similar some very similar experiences in this country and it's coming back round it's interesting um one of the things i've been working on and studying has been this thing called the sacred matrix okay and it's a healing it's literally like the matrix movie in that there's a theory that nature has there's this web and sometimes you can see it when you're on psychedelics i've seen it when i was on ayahuasca Okay, but you can sometimes see the web um, in which the web is this it's a um, material that exists that is out of the normal dimensions of of three dimensional life that we normally see okay and it's um, sometimes becomes visible when you um, are tripping. <laughs> And I don't know why that is, but partly because it it blows open some of our perceptional stuff. So um, anyway, this web, this matrix, connects all of us and all of mankind together and all of species. There's no separation. We're all part of a web. It's beautiful. And it's called the um, the sacred he- the sac- the sacred matrix. And um, there's a writer by the name of Dieter Dumm, and it's D I E T E E R, and it's D U. H-M, and he's written this book called The Sacred Healing Matrix about the, this, this thing. And when you focus in your meditation or when you go to a place where it's focused on kindness, respect, 
um, for nature and people, and um, where it's all about kindness first and generosity first. So if you see a child or a person in need, you just take care. You don't worry if there's payment or anything. When that is the, the main thrust in a community, they've noticed that birds show up. Um, if there's a need for water, water will appear. It's wonderful. Like it attracts a positive, um, literally it attracts life, and it attracts a healing of a particular space. So Dieter and his partner, Sabine, they organized a h- 330 acres in southern Portugal, which was this barren, desolate desert, and they have turned it into this this basically a biosphere, this community for 170 people, and it's a university of peace. They have a peace university, a love university, so we can heal the planet. It's beautiful. And it's called Tamera, T-A-M-E-R-A, and you can actually YouTube about this particular community. Anyway, they are teaching us how to come back into and, and encourage the sacred matrix in our consciousness, which, wonderful. which is about raising the vibration. But don't you think also that the, the minute that you stop, I know in my life, the minute that I stopped throwing myself up against the door trying to make it open and just started centering myself and allowing the universe to throw the things at me that were meant for me, the more I had. That, that, you know, it wasn't always this struggle. Because well, that's to, called the forcing current when you're trying to get something. Right. I wasn't always trying to get this, you know, unobtainable, I have to get it, I have to get it. It was, I'm just going to stay chill here, prepared, and let the universe decide what's my next step. And that happened when I started here eight years ago. It's how I got my job here. And it's the last eight years of my life have almost completely rewired me. I call it my spiritual renaissance time. Because it was really when I stopped thinking of my career and my life and my relationships and my friendships as things that I had to go out and get and started thinking them, of them as things that were going to come to me. Mm-hmm. And just staying in a place of chill. And that's, that's not an easy thing. But it, it, uh, it Although when, when you, when so you use surrender. the word chill, I immediately go, ah, oh. like, but you, you're right. What it is, I always cons- consider that you're not forcing. No. You're actually being. Right. And, and, and it is, it is having sort of a, like a, like a mellow vibration and a surrender of, I'm ready for the next thing. It's a trust. And it's a trust. Yeah. And in, in this, you know, so much comes from surrender. A friend was just t- asked me on the phone today. She said, you know, there's so many things I want to get over in my life. What do I do? And I said, you have to just let them all go. You have to say, I am anything that does not serve me, anything that is not working for me. I just need to let it go. And uh, surrender was a very hard thing for me. But once once I surrendered, my I always liken it to that scene in the abyss where they have to go and breathe the they liquid because they go so they deep. They have to die before they can. And, and once they realize that they that they can live breathing it, but there's that panic where you're not getting air and you panic. They have to die. Yeah, and to breathe that liquid. I love that movie because of that. That scene is that movie. so. To me, that is. There's rarely moments in movies that 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 transcend the physical. Yeah. In a perfect way. I I agree. And that it's movie. my favorite scene in that movie. It's with um, Elizabeth Mastro Antonioni or yeah, whatever her name yeah. and uh, uh, Ed, Ed Harris. Yeah. And she dies. They, they die. It's a, it's a death scene. I love it. And then he comes back. But um, there's one other movie that I think also captures God, and that's The Bag in the Wind in American Beauty. 
Oh, I love that. When the garbage bag is yeah. in the, and it to me, it, because it's almost a non sequitur, you just watch the bag go, and to me it, it was a cinematic moment. And there's another movie, too, where I feel like God was was present in terms of what the God thing is, and that was an ad- adaptation mm-hmm. when she's high. <laughs> 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 when Meryl Streep is really high, and she goes... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and on that note, we're going to take our commercial break. <laughs> we're going to do. A, I want to say a word from our sponsors, but uh, raising the vibration is a commercial-free show. We only run PSAs because I just—that's how I give back. So, so we're going to take nice. a quick break, and you're going to listen to some wonderful PSAs. And we're going to be right back with you uh, right here on LA Talk Radio. And don't forget to join uh, my movement of peace, love, kindness, and unity. It's called I Am Raising the Vibration of the Nation and the World, and we're at I Am Raising. Thevibration.com. We'll be back with Ray Dawn right after this, right here on LA Talk Radio, because it's Raising the Vibration. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal, only on LA Talk Radio. As difficult as it is to believe, there are places in Africa where human traffickers sell albino children and their body parts for use in magic rituals. Humanity Healing International is actively working in Uganda to change this paradigm. The Albino Rescue Project finds albino children who are at risk and places them in safe schools and environments where they can learn and grow free from fear. To learn more or to sponsor a child, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Om Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Om Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. California legislator sends Bill SB 524 to Governor Brown to protect youth against institutional abuse. This bill would regulate residential programs notorious for abusing, attempting to convert LGBT youth. Let's be the change. Every child deserves to be treated with dignity and humanity. Stand with the Los Angeles LGBT Center and SIA organization against child abuse. Support SB 524. Go to PYIA.org and let your voice be heard. Alcohol-related harm affects us all. Everyone knows someone who's been touched. Alcohol-related harm ranges from lost jobs to serious mental and physical disease, from ruined family life to property damage, from violent crime to homelessness, death, or prison. Go to alcoholjustice.org and sign up for Action Alerts and E-News. Then you'll be ready to add your voice to many others when it's time to call for action that will reduce alcohol-related harm. 
Hello, this is Larry Russ, former keyboardist and vocalist for Iron Butterfly, and I'm here to tell you about that abuse is an epidemic in our world. Abuse has many forms, spousal and child abuse, sex and human traffic victims, and sexual abuse. Musicians Against Abuse wants to do something about it, and you can help. Contact maabuse.com. That's m-a-a-b-u-s-e.com. Join me and let's do something about it. maabuse.com. instrument. It has developed into an incredible voice in today's music. So many types of guitars, so many styles of playing, all sorts of gear. How does one make their voice be heard as a guitarist? My name is Jeff Floro and welcome to All About Guitar. Where we talk tone, we talk technique, we talk gear. Where we discover how we can become better musicians in a world of constantly changing technologies. Where we take a good look at everything guitar. And sometimes not exactly guitar, but just as important. So we can be more successful as a musician in today's music scene. So join me 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time at www.latalkradio.com on Channel 1. And let's explore all about guitar. When Debbie Fragner gave birth to Maddie, she imagined a world of possibilities. But when her daughter was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, a neurological condition that impacts a person's ability to move and maintain balance, she had to adjust her expectations. Cerebral palsy affects 1 in 323 children in the U.S. While this diagnosis may limit Maddie's physical abilities, it doesn't limit her ability to dream. Maddie is now 9 and has a dream to dance, which inspired the creation of the Children's Cerebral Palsy Movement, a nonprofit dedicated to the design and funding of innovative therapies that address not only the physical challenges of these children, but their dreams as well. As part of their Community Giving Day program, Whole Foods Market will donate 5% of net day sales to our movement on June 15th at their Tustin location and June 22nd in Newport Beach. Your purchases on these days will help further our cause. For more information, please call 714-746-4085. That's 714-746-4085. Reverend Belle Salisbury is an internationally recognized psychic medium known for her natural ability since childhood to see things that are going on around you and bring through messages from the spirit world. As a medium, Belle demonstrates her abilities by attuning herself to a higher frequency, along with help from those in the spirit world to bring messages from your loved ones. Belle Salisbury is able to cross the bridge between two worlds that allows her to see and communicate with your departed loved ones, helping to bring closure, resolve, and healing. As a psychic, Belle Salisbury offers readings for those seeking guidance, addressing your questions and concerns around your daily life with clarity and truth. Readings are available in person or by phone. For more information or to schedule an appointment, please call 910-229-3669. That's 910-229-3669. And please visit Belle at bellsalisbury.com to learn more about her services.
Bella Spree is a free online magazine featuring columnists who are experts in their field. Bella Spree magazine covers topics about health and healing, spiritual growth, angels, inspiration, divination, and the paranormal. You can also receive guidance from our experts to your questions or follow your astrological and lunar forecasts for the month ahead. Bella Spree Magazine is offered free online for your education and enjoyment at bellaspree.com. Bella Spree means beautiful spirit, and that represents each and every one of us. Their logo is the diamond because it represents the full soul quality. Like a diamond, each facet is unique, holding a beauty all its own. Each facet represents a different characteristic of who we are as individuals. And yet, when we look at the whole diamond, with its flaws and inclusions, we see the exquisiteness of the diamond in its entirety. The collective of the whole soul quality, demonstrating that even in its imperfections, it is still seen as beautiful. Bellespree Magazine spreads love, truth, and awareness to the world, leading the diamond in the rough to healing and growing into the best diamond we are all meant to be. Visit Bellespree at bellespree.com. That's B-E-L-L-E-S-P-R-I-T dot com. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal, only on L.A. Talk Radio. It's Raising the Vibration Radio right here on L.A. Talk Radio. We're so glad you're here with us. My wonderful guest is the fantastic Ray Dong Chong, and we're having a blast. And um, I'm so glad to have you here. You know, I liked you right away. The first time you did my show, I was like, you know what? That one and I are going to be friends. I can always tell. You could tell? I can always tell right oh away. Oh, Yeah, I think that there's just a connection. You have an energetic connection through conversation with somebody. And you think, you know what? Yeah, that one. It's intellectual. Yeah. Our brains work at the same frequency. Yeah. I think and there's, it's, a, I think it's and there's a hunger for, also there's a hunger for information. Oh, I God, can, yeah. I can tell when you look at something, you don't just look at it, you look at it. Yeah. And I do the same thing. I can, in fact, I just bought an, another copy of Marguerite and the Master, which is a, a, a Russian book. And I thought my friend Michael Silverblatt had recommended that I read it. It's called Marguerite, Margarita and the Master. And I, I bought the book, and then I realized I've read this book. <laughs> oh. And I thought, but I've been reading all these. Everyone's putting it on their best book ever written list. And I always think, oh, that's interesting. And I was thinking, oh, I, I, I need to get this book. And then I got it and realized, oh, I've read this book. But how weird that I didn't remember it. Well, but I think you can't remember everything. There's so much input going in our brains. 
you just can't remember. I mean, I've started to watch movies and then thought, oh, yeah, no, I've seen that. How did did I not remember I'd seen this? So that scares me a little bit because it shows that then that we kind of block bits of our reality out. Like, I know I was hired by um, Adrian Lyne, the director, who did Flashdance, and um, he did another sex movie. Fatal Attraction? Fatal Attraction. And I um, was hired by him. Uh, My son was at the time two or three, and I really needed the money. But he hired me for a Pepsi commercial. And it oh. was a big spot, a national, which was going to be major cake. It would have yeah. been really nice. And uh, I got home. I was stoked. I fantastic job. And the phone rang. And you know, sometimes when you see the phone ring, you know it's bad news. I don't know why. It was like the way it rang. I went, <gasps> and I picked up the phone, and it was him. And he said, Radon, I have to uncast you because Pepsi wouldn't do interracial. So oh they went goodness. with the kid, the guy, and they fired me. Isn't oh. that sad? Wow. And when that happened, I was so, thrust in so much pain that I don't remember the following two years that much. Now, two, was that pre-Michael Jackson on with Pepsi? That was pre-Michael Jackson. Okay. I was going to say, or did they just but not that consider wasn't him interracial. to be a person of color? That wasn't inter. He didn't do anything interracial. He wasn't kissing on a little oh, blonde Oh, you were kid. supposed to be. Oh. I was the love interest of a guy. Oh, yeah. And, and now you see that everywhere, like every other Super Bowl And of course, commercial. I have such a big mouth. I was at the Final Four finals, which is a big basketball thing, right? It's a big deal. Sure. And I had got, I got these VIP passes, and it was the big game. And uh, Dick Vitel was there, and I brought my son. I was, it was I was in this incredible VIP section, and there were all the big cheese executives of Pepsi. And I asked them, <laughs> the two big the big guys. So uh, around this era, were you ahead? And they're like, yeah. And I let them know the amount of pain I was in wow. and what it meant to me. And they were so shocked that I brought it because I think it was a Mormon owned company Pepsi but they had no idea but I I felt and and it was probably a crazy thing for me to do but I wanted them to know the impact of their decision on a young mother to be to be fired because of the color of your skin yeah that is a little rough and I was able to kind of share it with them of course I'll probably never (laughs) do anything with Pepsi but you never know and you know the guys were very uncomfortable but they heard me I bet I bet they were uncomfortable so I had a moment this is what my whole career in life is like. This is what I was born to do. You know, a friend of mine... Enlightened. <laughs> this was raising the vibration, not really. But this is not a Pepsi story, but a friend of mine who is gay uh, went to the South to work in a di- uh, with a diversity division of a large corporation. soda corporation mm-hmm. and uh, with the idea that they were going to help him out with his projects or whatever. And it was all about the diversity. So everybody there was gay. And he was shocked by the racist things that came out of their mouth. And he himself, a New Yorker, he came home and he was like, I don't understand. How can you be gay and a racist and not like people of color? I know. And I said, well, how can you be a person of color and not like gay people? Like just because I, now I've never. Wait a second. This. We've got a guy in Washington who I think looks like Goebel from Hitler's thing. No, I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about Stephen Miller. I think he is so scary. Oh, okay. And he turns out he's a Jew. And he's that whole alt-right. He's That is his whole thing. And he's Jewish. And if you read the, 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 the stuff that comes out of there, the stuff that they're promoting, it's anti-Semitic. 
And I'm, I'm like, whoa. So here we are. It's consciousness, actually. And, and you know, let me just say my into my my my. What was my at the final four <laughs> Dick Vitale thing? It wasn't to punish the 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 Pepsi people as much as I wanted them to just feel the impact of what it did when they made that decision. Like in other words, instead of you know you know what I mean. Yeah. And I knew they didn't know. Because they sit in an office and they go, oh, we can't have a, a uh, we can't have an interracial thing because we're not ready for it. This was 1985. Oh yeah, that was early. 85. So, and I said, I just want you to know what that felt like because there's nothing I can do to change my skin color. But you made that decision. Do you remember it? It was right around that time that movie that came out and had um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was in it, right? And it was about an interracial couple in the 50s or the 60s, and there was a whole it was big with Denzel. No, it wasn't Denzel. It was um, the guy that does the Allstate commercials. Oh, Dennis Hay... Hay Dennis... Yes. Whatever. And it was, a, it was a whole big thing about whether or not they were ever going to work again. Because And I thought, oh, that's, oh, that's a little scary. But I guess we must have thought we were much farther along in the 80s than we were. We obviously think we're further along than we are. That's than we what are I was now. talking about earlier. I, feel, we I were talking about this during the break. I fierce, uh, ruling diva of spirituality, and then I get my butt kicked. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us got our butt kicked on, on November 9th, uh, going into November 9th from November 8th. And I think that's why I started this peace movement, because I just, for a couple days, I just kind of died. And then I thought, well, no, I'm not, that's not an answer. So what's an but answer? But I think it's cheating. You, I still don't feel like it's a real clean win because there was so much hacking and there was just so much help from. But it, it's not. But it, to me, it's not about that. To me, it's not about who won or who's there. Or, uh, it's about the ideology of the American people before and after, mm. and learning that we're not as far along as we thought. Listen, we were. I'll tell you something. Just personally, when I did not communicate with my ex-husband and I should have communicated with him. I had judgment around it. I was sort of not friendly and loving to him. He sued me for custody. Had I kept the good juices flowing of good vibrations between him, yeah. he would never have done it because I would have found out what what he, was fueling his concern, yeah. and we would have had we would have been able to to you know stop the thing. But because I was so frustrated with him because he didn't do what I thought he should have done, I was unloving. He ended up suing me, and then it ended up costing us both a, a shit ton of money. I still won the, f the thing, but, you know, you should never sue anyone if you can avoid it. Because I agree. the only people who benefit is the lawyers. I agree. And it was one of those moments, Sheena, where if I had been kind, I would have been able to find out what was fueling his concern. Well, and even just that, you know, <clears throat> when I was in my 30s, I worked with somebody who was just very negative. And... Uh, you know, everything was about, you know, backroom secrets and anybody who crossed this person got fired. And, <laughs> and it wasn't a man. So anybody's going, oh, it was a man. It wasn't a man. It was a woman. Um, and I, you know, I'm Irish. So I was on my soapbox and I was always standing up for what was right. And I was always having confrontations with her. And it turned out to be a very unpleasant thing for me in the long run. And looking back at my, you know, 31-year-old self from my 45-year-old self a couple of years ago, I thought, you know what, if I had just smoothed things over, because everybody with that kind of an ego just wants it to be fed, if I had just thrown her some bones and did yeah. what I could and run behind her and tried to pacify the evil that she had done instead of always having to be Norma Ray up in her face. 
I could have saved myself a couple of gray hairs. Yeah. And it could have been a more pleasant situation for me. But there was a time when I was very much but that's about... that's not your wiring, though. Yeah, it's, it's become my wiring more because I've realized how much more can get done by not always having to confront everything that's negative. So the, so the guy who says stuff like the Muslims need to go away, who voted for Trump, who says, I don't touch my gun, that those people that voted for him, the 27% of our population that voted for him, that are in the flyover states and over here, and, mm-hmm. you know, where we are now, those people also need our not pity, not education. They just sort of need more exposure mm-hmm. to a broader I, broader perspective. So how do you do that without them feeling stupid or without them feeling like we're talking down? Or Well, and those people, that's, that's part of why I founded I Am Raising the Vibration of the Nation and the World because those people need to understand that happiness and love and peace and unity is an option and that everything doesn't you don't always have to have your gun because without immigration without around your hand without brain trust the country suffers yeah and that's without people from other ideas and cultures to come in and to add their their color and their and their otherness to the tapestry that is life in america we don't have america exactly because they are they are part of america too and i don't know why they they don't to want what they want because even like from minnesota every state in the union has clumps of immigrants that made that particular state strong exactly and without that kind of influx of other it doesn't it doesn't what is the thing it it like it manifests it raises the vibration it actually brings a higher level of beingness that we need as a species i i agree i completely agree and and uh, but it's interesting how there is a, a love of the same, and it's not just on the right; it's on the left too. Well, I, what happens when you when you have too much of the same is you have inbreeding, you have you have diseases you didn't know about. Well, and you have narrow thinking. You have narrow thinking, so you no have mental illness. You have uh, physical problems that are that are difficult, and just spiritually, you don't have to breed with them. But just <laughs> when there's my mom had this expression; it was really funny when we first moved to Orange <laughs> County in 1980. You too don't many have to breed. You don't have to. I mean, it doesn't I'm have to just, be a breeding thing <laughs> you mean you don't have to have illicit uh, right it's not even about breeding it's about you there doesn't they're just you can't have too many of one thing in one place or the spiritual and and, and emotional consciousness becomes very narrow and that happens i think even within minority communities where um people everybody everybody knows is part of that community a narrow thinking develops because your own backyard is all one color or one religion or one sexuality or one gender. Well, and I remember once I was with this really famous actor. We had He came to my house in Woodstock for the weekend, and uh, he was African-American. And he wanted to turn—I won't say who he is, but he's super famous. And he uh, came and just—I had to go to my house in Woodstock, and it was in the country. And so we drove up, and it was out of New York, and we drove up, and uh, he brought with him a Farrakhan tape. Now— 
I had heard of the Nation of Islam, certainly from Malcolm X, but and I always was really sort of suspicious when Malcolm X was mowed down. I was like, that guy looked like he was from the Nation of Islam that killed him. But anyway, I thought, you know, I always had sort of a 50-50 meaning idea about them like they're kind of militant and kind of negative and 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 also anti-semitic so mm, not so interested right but my friend was like no 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 Redon, you have to see this tape so i'm listening to louis farrakhan yammer on and on and on about what the man should do in the family and the family as a unit and the education and the cohesiveness and taking care of the woman and, and education and it was just and be healthy and eat well and i was like this is fantastic and that was like 75% of the of the tape and then the last 25% came on and it was Jaime this and Jaime that and I was like <gasps> it was so racist and I said to my friend I, it just negates the other 75 yeah. it's like it doesn't matter if it was only 5% of the show there's so much negative vibration that it killed the it was such a good message until he started talking about that Yeah. and my friend was like I know and I said I can't negate I can't I can't be with anyone who has even a, 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 even a fraction of that energy yeah, I know. I I agree. I feel. Oh, I think it's the same thing. I when I grew up in Orange County, it was the kind of the age of Calvary Chapel, and and there was this whole ideology like, oh, come join us. We're just a bunch of hippies, and you can wear your flip flops, and we just talk about love. And that message was mixed in with gays are bad and only white people are right and all this kind of scary. (laughs) And that, I think, is the scary thing sort of about the make America great ideology. It doesn't make sense. And I'm not specifically picking on that specific campaign or administration. I'm just saying that ideology is that sometimes it's, you know, I love people that have the signs that say make America hate again. (laughs) Because sometimes this this ideology of what is supposed to be going back to a time of American pride. And I love the idea that we all take more pride in the country. I'm all about that. Suddenly becomes, let's take more pride in the country that's very white. And then it goes down a weird path. And the truth is, though, you can't be America if you don't have diversity. And it's always been that way. Always. I mean, when I say to some people who have this sort of elevated idea of what America is, you know that we're a country that was founded by throwaways. I mean, we're a castaway nation, right? Not to mention... They took everybody they didn't like and they put them in a boat and they shoved them across the ocean. It's the same with Australia. I mean, the the First Nations put up with a lot of grief from from the Europeans. And the reality is everybody in America who is white is an immigrant. Absolutely. So, So... yeah, it's always funny. I'm right now setting up a, um, thinking about setting up a camp and a 501c. And one of the things in my research that I've, I've been investigating is other communities and other camps. And I have to say the, the level of, um, a really good idea with altruistic ideas and plans, the, the ease with which it can flump into a cult. Is so easy. Oh sure. And I'm I'm doing all this homework. I'm I'm setting up the the um, the business plan, the business structure, and I keep getting this sick feeling that if I, as an individual, am not a thousand percent on top of everything, it could just so easily turn into some creepy cult. Yeah. And it makes me not want to do this thing. It makes me cautious, I should say. Like I look at all the best groups, and it's. So the 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 line between 
a good thing and a cult, it's pretty slim. Yeah. You know, well, it all comes from the top. It completely depends on how you handle and it. And it's personality. It's per- yeah. Things are personality driven. I mean, I often battle myself as a, as, an, as a personality, as an actor, as a woman with that personality cult. Because first of all, I think that people don't realize when you are super, super successful, particularly if you're a woman, I'm not saying this about myself, but it is the loneliest gig on the planet because, you know, I call it the Madonna syndrome. It's like you may have all the hit records in the world. You may be on every magazine cover, but that woman goes home alone and she's lonely because there's no equal. You, You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's great to have all that money and fame and all that, but the truth is at the end of the day, really what you want is love. Yeah. And you want people who honestly tell you you're being a douche right now. And sometimes when you're paying everybody's bills, no nobody will stand up to you and say, no this one's is giving not a you good the idea. Truth. No one's giving you the truth. And I think they hunger for someone to tell them the truth. Well, I think that the best, yeah. Well, as I'm setting up this 501c and I'm setting up this group, my my camp, I realized that it has to be a democracy. It has to be a, a committee, a so that there's never a leader because it's the leader thing that becomes a problem with when you I think when you have when you have a setup you know like whether it was uh, Frank Lloyd Wright and Tally Heeson Tally Essen sure. that he became too much of a personality and then it imploded and then some people died and it was all scary but now you know it's always better when it's much more of a cooperative than it is so what do you want to do with it I'd say my idea is it's Anahamas, and it's a camp for families who are survivors of um, victims of homicide. So it's a camp for people to come and take a week break from their normal setup, and they can come and learn to swim. A lot of people from the inner city, so they haven't been to this beautiful place that I am hoping to do my first camp, and it's it's free for them. They come and they have a camp experience where the kids and the family get to just take a break. You don't have to do anything if you don't want you can sit in your yurt and and cry or, or not cry or take a walk but it gives f- the surviving family members a place and a break for for like a, a week so it's like a five day so it's two days travel and it's five days of just relief where they don't have to think about the tragedy that's just struck their family and i thought it would be kind of fun because i feel like personally my summers i've learned how to i can do almost every sport and I've done every kind of boating thing. And I've just been really blessed to have, I have a, a high fun factor in my life. And I think, who can I give this to that, that is an underserved sector of our population? And when I think of families um, that have just catastrophically experienced trauma like that, that's a good time for them to take a break. And it's not a normal, you know, and there would be, you know, volunteer counselors and things like that. So they have exposure to different modalities and different things that they could use you know it just it, it just takes it's people beautiful. out of the normal out of their normal stuff and gives them exposure to a broader experience i love that i think that's wonderful that's what i'm working on i don't know if i'm going to be successful about it or i'm just right now trying to keep it so that it can never devolve into a, a cult do you know what i mean well, it would never it would never become a cult i hope not how can it become a cult because it's, you it's know sometimes experience. because it's a camp and people come and it's just you you can't imagine it's just all about bylines and mission statements and stuff and making i, sure I think that can. there's something in you that will not allow it to become no a cult. i can't i won't i won't do i it. think the thing when something becomes a cult it's because whoever is at the center of it can't handle 
No, I know. It's creepy. Can't handle being... Well, it's like, you know what I love? I, I've been using my uh, Esalon. Esalon's an, a teaching institute as well. And Michael Murphy did Esalon perfectly. He made it into an institute. It has a board. It has... Sure. It has... That's what you do is you spread it out. You spread out the thing so that yeah. it's it's by committee. So no one can ever become... And he, I think the way they set up Esalon, that it never became a personality. Because you have to be careful with the personalities. Yeah. It was Michael and um, Dick... Leonard, who who set up Esalon, but the two of them were like the two senior, you know, the senior yeah. elders, but they never were the personalities, even though it was his family, Michael Murphy's family that Esalon's on, the, the land, he turned it into something that was not a cult personality thing, and that's right. what I want to make sure to do. But sometimes you need to attach a face to something in, the in order to grow it. Like what, what Redford did with Sundance is kind of also Absolutely. inspiring. Yeah, I mean he'll always be synonymous with the Sundance Film Festival and Institute. When he dies, it will still be. It now is Sundance. It's on its own. It'll it'll go way before, way further than he ever imagined. Well, and that's what you hope that that's your babies grow up yeah. and far yeah. surpass you. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm somebody who never wants to put my face or my name on anything. And I've learned over time, and I, I have reluctantly with this movement, and I don't want to be reluctantly, so I shouldn't even have said that, uh, attach myself to it. Because people need someone to attach something with when you're first growing it. So what we do need is outreach to the Trump voter or the person who is sure. feeling scared. Absolutely. And outreach in a way that is non uh, that is nonviolent. Absolutely. Or, or the otherwise. person who refused to vote because yeah. they hated everybody. Right. Because raising the vibration isn't about politics and it's not about, uh, it's not about divisiveness. Well, it is politics of love. Yeah, the politics of peace. You can't take politics out of anything. Well, I don't expect to take it out, but I mean, it's not, you don't have to, you don't have to belong to a political party in any way to, to raise your vibration. I mean, you can raise your vibration by just being kind to somebody while you're in Starbucks. I mean, it's not. Do you know, I'll tell you something. It's interesting when you said uh, about raising your vibration. When we start, before we started the show, we talked about how once you start, it all comes up. Oh, God, right? yes. I was thinking about Ken Wilber who um, made an enormous amount of money. He invented a um, program that people bought and used, so he made hundreds of millions of dollars. And then he was physically, is physically, was one of the most handsome men ever. So he was a, a rock star, a sexual god. And then uh, his wife died of cancer. And um, not only was he a sexual god, he was an intellectual, is an intellectual uh, god, and he's also um, a spiritual um Brain, but uh, recently I I was looking at one of his YouTube um, talks on um, religion. Okay, and I noticed that he physically is suffering from a disease. Oh, and it turns out when his wife was dying of cancer, they were in southern. Um, Nevada in Lake Tahoe. Anyway, he was exposed to a really horrible chemical spill that he didn't know about at the time. Years later, it impacted his DNA, and he has this terrible disease, so he's wasting. But he still talks. He still talks about And one of the things he talks about is religion and the way America, and particularly the world, the way we worship is very puerile, very infantile. So when you have a thing where you pray to a deity or there's any sort of idolatry or any kind of, um, it's pretty basic Christianity, it's very immature if you think about it because it's, it's giving your power to, a, to, a, to an elder, 
Do you understand? Yeah. So it doesn't matter what religion it is, how you approach your spirituality is really indicative of where you are in terms of your maturation. And I found that fascinating. And then I was thinking about him on the drive over here. I was thinking, it's so interesting to me that here was this guy that was flush with the dough, gorgeous as all get out, sexual little animal. And unbeknownst to him, he would have later in his life this physical challenge yeah. in which he was he went from being the hunk of burning love to now a, a little bit of a smaller version of himself, but who's actually suffering. And yet he's still alive. He's still doing talks. And I was thinking, and it's perfect for his spiritual path because it makes him go deeper. Absolutely. Into his beliefs. Isn't that fascinating? Well, and sometimes the more you get on that path towards... Uh, vibrational raising and towards enlightenment, towards your enlightenment, whatever your enlightenment is, uh, you know, there, there are blocks, there are roadblocks. Um, you know, this last year, since I've decided this is what I'm doing with my life, um, it's been a year. I mean, it's been a year of a lot of just circumstantial stuff. And uh, but it's made me stronger, and it's made me deeper, and it's made me more. Well, focused. I think just even the way your physical form has changed. Yeah, because you've you've been lightening up. Yeah, and it's interesting. Do you find that interesting? I do. Oh, I absolutely do. You know, yeah, I've lost a um, hundred pounds. You almost a hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll, I will say one thing. Recently, I was sort of lamenting the fact that I can't drink alcohol. I can't eat sugar. I really shouldn't eat meat. And um, you know, and I don't like to shop, and I've got to, you know, you know all the, and I, I was like, well, what, you know, where do I get, and I realized, oh, I have to meditate more, which I don't mind doing. Right. Um, be more conscious, be more present. In other words, find other ways to yeah, you get, find other things to get you, a little, that you love. Like, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't eat sugar anymore, but I burn a lot more candles. Are and, you a candle uh, person? A candle, yeah, candles and oils. What's a good candle spot in LA to get your candles? Do you know what I? I have a, a candle mine, so I have a, a candle maker that sets me up with candles, and I love his. But and where can you get your candles? Where, where can um, we, anybody CBT buy? CBT Candle makes my candles. CBT. And so I have. So if someone's listening right now and they want to buy they Sheena, can absolutely go to. It's it's the Experience Line is what it's called. I have three candles. Uh, on the beach and lovely, and then a new one, Victorian Rose I like, Garden. I got the um, on the beach. You, Th- that's right. Me. I did. I love it. It's by yeah. my bed. I like you it. You got it when it, you did the vagina model. Sme- yeah, it's my vagina. It smells good, doesn't it? it smells so. My S- vagina smells like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that mine does, but it smells like growing up in. Actually, you know, it's really funny. Recently, I was. Um, I'm going to be really personal here, but I was. I take all these herbs to you know help the body. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? God, I, and it was like it smelled like kind of like herby, and I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> oh!" It was racing through like my body. Sage and no, it was more like just like mm, I, I, I'm not going to say the word I came up with, but put it this way: I laughed. I was like, "What is it?" And I realized it was me because oh. of all the things you take. It yeah. comes through the body. It changes you, right? Well, yeah. yeah. You take all those good for you things: dandelion root, you know, ashwagandha, goda cola, things that make your brain better, things that make your body, you, you know. And then, you, but it's got to come out somewhere. I noticed that the other day because I, since I've had some health problems, I've been taking a lot more Western medicine than I do. And I'm like, what is that weird kind of chemically taste in my mouth? And then I, because the last time I remember that was when I had my hysterectomy and I had anesthesia, and they, I was in the hospital, and they put me on a ton of medication. I'm like, oh. It's that it's that too much medication taste. Yeah, I gotta get. I'm working my way off everything, but yeah. it's some things you have to be on for a period of time. So. Well, I think what I'm what I'm noticing in this next part, the, the middle, 
of the middle, the middle of the middle this, of it all of this dance. I'm noticing that because of the form is more fragile and more sensitive. We do need to start to take care of it in order to have a more fun time. Absolutely, in the winter of our of our years. Absolutely, right. Yeah. So in the middle, where you're kind of like summer's over and we're now going into fall, you know, I feel like oh, so now and you eat, you should really eat less because yeah. your body doesn't have the juices to digest and all those things. So I'm kind of en- I'm kind of enjoying it in the in that it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to do this dance that we're doing on it's the totally planet. It's totally okay. Well, you know, we're not really encouraged. I mean, all the all the magazines are filled with young babies and you know, everything's really youth focused still. Sure. So how how do you find it's okay? You know, really you have to look for it. You have to read you have to join AARP to see your people. Well, that's coming for me pretty soon. I'm just so happy that I've lived this long. I didn't oh. think because I had so many health problems as a kid and as a teenager and as an adolescent. I didn't think I'd ever live to be this old. Seriously. So I'm just so thankful for everything, every day I've had on the earth, and I'm still thankful. That's a really good way to for raise every your vibration. That's the a earth. really good yeah. way to raise your vibration. And I always try to think glass half full. I think, well, you know what? Uh, and then especially after my mom dying, because I don't know that I thought I was going to live after she died. Did you that think, was the yeah. worst thing I could imagine. And when I was in the hospital between Christmas and New Year's, Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher died while I was in the ICU. And I thought, oh, am I supposed to die because my mom no, died? No, but you know what? Because we were Can so Can I close. tell you something? I had a little bit of an experience with them. And if you knew Debbie, you couldn't, out, you couldn't upstage her. Oh, that's fantastic! And yeah. beca- and I and I say this with love because I love Todd, and I was madly in love with Todd actually growing up, madly in love, and um, so I say this with love. But if you knew them, Carrie, whatever, then Debbie would have to. Right. So the fact that she bowed out first and in such a way that the and then the on the impouring of. You know what I'm saying? Think I, about that. I feel it. See, and mine was different. Mine was very much like I'm probably going to go first. You stay here and do good things. Don't you go too. But um, so I figure I, I survived the worst thing I could think of. And I'm still here. So now. Well, not only are you still here, but I mean, Sheena, you're kind of stepping into a newness. I absolutely am. And so, doing it in her honor. Because a physical it, newness. I'm picking up her work where she left yeah. off. And it, it, it feels like really good to... You know, uh, I have to say something too, just really quickly. I know yeah. we're almost done here, uh-huh. but when dad got sick with cancer, and I often say this, it was because of his cancer that I have been... There was an inroad for us to fall in love with each other in a way it's that beautiful. we would not have done without the crises of the, his cancer. And we, I often am grateful to it for showing up the way it did. Like it, I, I, I can promise you now... What I have with my father right now would never have manifested without him getting critically ill. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful that you've you found a place of peace with them both. Uh, we are completely out of out of. Time. I know it went by quickly. I was where, where can people find you online, my friend? I am r- at uh, real Ray Don Chong on Instagram, and then on Twitter I am Ray underscore Don underscore Chong, and then Facebook I have a couple of pages. I have Only Always podcast on Facebook, and you can catch up on some of my shows. And my podcast Only Always is uh, downloadable for free on iTunes, and then you can find me on um, Facebook. And unfortunately, mainly I have too many friends. But if you really, 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 really want to be, you can like my page, and then I have a 
Radon Chong the Celebrant, Radon Chong uh, a personal page. Um, just private message me, and if you are clever and smart and kind, I will somehow find a way for you. I love that story. And if you missed those links, uh, of course, RaisingTheVibrationRadio.com, LATalkRadio.com. You can find me at SheenaMetal.com and everywhere at SheenaMetal. And we have a brand new presence for I Am Raising the Vibration of the Nation and the World on Instagram. We're at I Am, we're at I am Raising It. And on Twitter, we're at I Am Raising and uh, it's Raising the Vibration Radio. We're here every Monday from 7 to 9 p.m. Lunar Day. Uh, on Lunar Day, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. And uh, we thank you so much for listening. And, and thank you, Ray Dawn, for being here. You're amazing. I love you. It was, I can't wait to have you back. I love uh, you. So until we see you next week, keep raising the vibration because, you know, I love that and I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal only on LA Talk Radio. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio.